Lord, if I get this story wrong, forgive me, okay? Okay. Forgiven. All right. I'm telling you that ahead of time. Um, there's two things that anger me. Ang- just like, uh, anger me. And, and that is the mi- a mixture of covenants. Where in this new covenant of grace, we have obligations. And when I hear them say things like, you still have to, you still must, you still need to, it's up to you, you know, to, 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 continue, to continue in relationship, whatever. And, and they put conditions there in our covenant of grace. It angers me. It just angers me. Because it's supposed to be a better covenant with better promises. Amen. That doesn't make it better. But, but that angers me. And then the other thing that <laughs> angers me is the thinking, and I don't see it that much, so, but it, is, it does come up in conversation. Well, that means you're saying that we can live any way that you want. You can live any way you want. You know, and that, they just don't understand. You see, because they've been, they've been taught, they haven't been taught correctly, or they haven't, you know, been taught how to go in there and read for themselves. They don't understand the power of the new birth. They don't understand the power of if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. They don't understand the power of the Spirit. They don't understand the fact that they have been made righteous, that they have been sanctified, that they have been perfected, that they have been completed, made complete. And now... It's just that their minds have to become renewed so that they can awaken to their true nature. And once they re- awaken to their, their, their new nature, who they really are, just as Jesus is, just like Jesus, right? And, and know they're led by the Spirit or they're no child of God, sin falls off. Sin is not even a question, you know? It just, it just melts away. Um, but we are supposed to be in a better covenant. Not just a better covenant, the best covenant, the best covenant. And I want to ask you guys a question. Where would we be? Where would we be right now? What would life be like right now if sin never entered the world through Adam, if Adam never fell? Where would we be? The Garden of Eden? Yeah, we'd be living life in the garden. You know? So, man fell, sin entered the world, and death by sin. And because of one man, all of mankind was born into sin. But you know, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 tells us that before the foundations of the fall, okay, it says world there, but the word is ion. It's talking about ages. So it's talking about the time in the garden when Adam fell. Before the foundations of the fall, <clears throat> Jesus died. Christ died. And the Father, right? The Father saw us in Christ before him in love and blameless. So now the Bible is simply about getting us back there. And the one that gets us back there is Jesus. So, you know, when you understand, I think that, that is going to help you understand 
the Bible. Some people think it's, uh, it's God's roadmap, you know, on, on how to navigate through this earth walk. And it has a lot of practical wisdom, practical information, you know. It can give us good knowledge. Nothing like the Holy Spirit. Not like the Holy Spirit, when you go left and you're supposed to go right, he'll say, no, I think you should go right. Oh, okay. The peace of God, well, he'll work through her. He does work through her. The peace of God rules my life, rules our, our life, okay? Now I lost my train of thought. Oh, there. Um, where was I? Do I re- rewind the tape? Yeah, okay, so it contains those things. Okay, good. Roadmap, you know, how to navigate... You know, love God's love letters to us. You know. But to make it as simple as possible, the Bible is about one thing. The revealing, the unfolding, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. When you understand that, you don't get trapped in the rules and regulations. You don't get trapped in, you know, why did he do this with the, with the, with the who, who did Israel fight? Who did David fight? The Philistine? Why? You know, you don't get involved in all that. Because your mind is on, your, your mind is fixed on the right thing. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about getting to Jesus Christ, right? The unfailing and unfolding of Jesus Christ. And uh, we know that Jesus even testifies about that. Believe it or not, Jesus testifies about that. Look in John chapter 5, 39. Write it down. <clears throat> you're ser- you search the scriptures because you think that in them you're going to have eternal life. Right? We're going to read the scriptures because we want to know how to live before God. You know, we want to hear, well done. That's what the scriptures are for, right? A roadmap. No, no, no. Here's what Jesus says. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these scriptures that you search, they testify about me. So Jesus is telling them, you're searching for this, you're searching for that. These scriptures you're searching, they're there to testify about me. So what Jesus is saying. And then in John chapter 15, verse 26... Jesus says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. See, it's all about Jesus. He will testify of me. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, now here comes Paul. He's letting us know too. He's talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, you, however, continue in the things... You have learned and have been convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, from Paul, from the Holy Spirit, and that from a childhood you have known the sacred scriptures or writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All right? So, right then and there is the simplicity of the Bible. It's about the unfolding and veiling of Jesus Christ. Don't get tripped up into anything else. And the second thing it's about, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 18, we beholding in a mirror the image of the Lord are turned into that image from glory to glory by the Holy Spirit. So now it's becoming awakened to the fact that whom God did foreknew, foreknow, he, he knew you in advance, Vinny, and because of that, he determined that at born again you would be conformed to the exact image, duplicate copy, likeness of his son, the firstborn amongst many brethren. Amen. That's, that's Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 29. Except it doesn't say Vinny in it. Whatever your name is, put your name there. Amen. And then the next verse is even, it's, it's even more beautiful. I, I, 
For whom God called, he justified. And whom he justified, he glorified. That's amazing. That's, that's awesome. So number one, it's about the unveil, unveiling and unfolding of Jesus Christ. And then number two, when you see Christ, you'll see yourself. When you find Christ, you'll find yourself. It's about the unfolding of your true self, your true nature. Laura, you read that verse on Friday. Can you get to it real quick? About the, un, the awakening as I keep going? I don't know. You preached on it. You were the preacher on Friday. You got it? it? Okay, read it. Nice and loud so everybody can hear you. Okay. I hope it's the right one. Second Timothy, it's the right one. Gotcha. Um, It says, it says, um, become addicted to the adventures of faith. Ooh. Yeah. Let the agape love of God romance you into his rest, where you cease from striving and bask in completeness. Feast on peace. Celebrate your joint togetherness with everyone who was mutually discovered, who has mutually discovered their original identity in the Lord. Live your life from this place of innocence from your heart. What was the word awaken from? Um, That must have been the other verse you read too? Yes. But I like that because that talks about living our life from our innocence. Innocence. And there's another verse she read on Friday that talked about being, becoming awakened. Awakened to the trueness of who we are. You know, I, I sat under most preaching. Most preaching I sat under in, um, for 30 years was considered <clears throat> topical preaching. Topical preaching. Topical Everybody knows what topical preaching is? They pick a topic, and they preach on that topic. Topical preaching is okay, as long as when you pull scripture out of, it, out of its context, right, to, 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 make, to make your sermon, you keep it within its context. But the topical preaching I sat under was, God... Hopes. We, we hope right now that you would give up your being lukewarm. But because you're lukewarm, you're turning God's stomach. And he's getting ready to puke you out. That's in the Bible, you know. It says, all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Your righteousness amounts to nothing but a pile of filthy rags. Right? If you confess your sins... He's faithful and just to forgive you. And then he'll cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. Right? So when we make a topical message about sin, and every one of them will ripped out of context. But you know what? I don't fault the preachers. I don't fault them. Because I stepped into, the, into that position, and I preached the same messages. I preached the same messages. Because I thought the Bible was about instruction. Instructing us how to live. No. Now I know the Bible is about showing us Christ. Unveiling Christ. And then unveiling ourselves as we see Christ. And so, I want to look at some covenants. And today we're just going to look at the first covenant. Not the first covenant, but the first covenant that we're going to look at. Now, I'm just... I love Lori more today. It's just like I love her so much I can't imagine her love. I can't imagine loving her anymore. 
But every day, I find myself loving her more and more and more. I mean, amazing. What's that song? You sing that? I love you more today than yesterday. <laughs> but not as much as tomorrow. I love you more today than yesterday. But Lori, only half as much as tomorrow. There you go, Mrs. Giles. You took me out of chorus in 12th grade. You said I couldn't sing. I could sing. He's laughing in heaven. Maybe Mrs. Giles. She's, yeah, God's laughing. Mrs. Giles, she, she, we're in the chorus, right? And she's like, hmm, she's not hearing something right. And she's, as we're singing, she's going like this to every one of us. And, and she comes to me and she says, and she takes me to the side, and she says, "Here, yeah, I want you to play the sing, the uh, the triangle, and we'll teach you when to hit it." Come on, I don't sing that bad, do I? No. Oh, come on, Damon, you you went. No, it's okay. <laughs> Listen, I heard Joseph Prince sing, and I'm like, mm, man, if he can sing, I can sing. But anyway, there you go. You got the right filters. And I didn't, you didn't Q-tip your ears today, right? So you got good filters in there. But anyway, but there was a time when I didn't know grace. Uh, we're not where we, we are in our soulish minds, in, our soul, in, this, in the soulish realm, where the understanding of grace and God's covenant and love and whatnot. And Laura and I went through a tough time, you know, a tough time where I'm like, are we going to go, are we going to have a divorce? Is this where this is going? I, I mean... It was really rough. And please be kind with me and gentle. Lori was receiving counsel from somebody without me. You know, and when I went there, I was furious with him. Wasn't I furious with him? And I said, how dare you? You're a Christian man? You're counseling her without me? I have a pastor. Oh, but his pa your pastor, Pastor Bert, he's not skilled in in marital relationships, whatever. Evidently, you're not either. So I said, even if, if Pastor Bird is not, he's still my pastor. And you need to contact him before you can, before you can counsel his sheep. Didn't I say that? It's getting bad in our house. My wife is like she's on a time clock. The only thing is she can't leave. This guy instructed her, you know, go to bed as early as you can. You know, get as far off to the left as you can in the bed. As far away from your husband as you can. Right? As soon as that clock, goes up, clock gets up in the morning, go in the bathroom, get dressed, go get your stuff ready for work, and leave. This man was a Christian. And all he kept doing was building a bigger wedge. Building, because I, I started getting resistant. Now I'm just saying, listen, a lot of Lori's confusion and behavior and whatever, listen, I, I, I was like the coals on that fire. I wasn't Mr. Righteous, okay? But I knew that was wrong. And the thing, the, the, the thing that changed everything was God's grace. Changed me, it changed her. Amen. Now I'm like, ooh. Stop loving me so much. Why are you loving me so much? Oh, why are you loving me so much? Why do you keep doing this for me? Why do you keep asking? And I'm, I'm, I, as I, I'm receiving that, and I receive the love of God, it's just causing me to love her so much. 
to love her so, so much, so much more than I could ever have imagined. And it's because grace and it's because love. Grace and love. You know, grace is the fastest way there. You know, grace is the fastest way. This man is not, I'm just, this man is not living right. You know, a lot of people don't know, but he's still drinking behind, you know, behind everybody's back. He still keeps, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything wrong with drinking. Okay. I'm not, we're not talking about that today. I love this guy. But this, you know, but drunk, well, that's a different thing. Now this guy, he keeps the bottle behind the toilet. You found it? Yeah. See now, now when we find it, he thinks we're stupid. He's going to lift up the, the lid and put the bottle in there. All right. Then we find it in there, and he thinks we're dumb. You know what we're going to do? We're going to pour out half of it and put half baby shampoo in it. And he's still drinking. Okay? Listen, I lived, with, I, I lived, in, a sad, I lived in a sad situation, but I praise God that my, that my whole family knows the Lord and is saved and serving Jesus. I can't wait to go to heaven because I'm going to see my grandmother. I'm going to see my aunts. I'm going to see my father. They're all going to be there. Okay? So... How am I going to get this man to change? Thou shalt not. No, the fastest way is grace. Vinny, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Vinny, you are perfect. You are complete. He is. You are sanctified. He knows that. That's why I'm picking on him because he knows it. He knows it. You know, he's in love with Dr. Jesus. He's in love with Mr. Wonderful. All right. But grace is the fastest way. Do you know why it took us 1,400 years to get to Jesus? I'm like, God, why did you have to take 1,400 years to get us to grace? Why? Did you ever ask yourself why? Rick knows, but he won't answer. <laughs> it took 1,400 years to get to Jesus. Why? Grace is the fastest way. Why? My people denied grace. They rebelled against grace. They chose law. What would have happened if they would have remained in the Abrahamic covenant of grace? How much quicker would we have gotten to Jesus? But they rejected. Just like they rejected today. Or just like they, they put conditions on. Just like they put conditions on today. But if they would have remained in that covenant, Jesus would have got here a lot sooner. Sin would have melted off a lot easier. Change would have came a lot faster. Look at Abraham. Would you look at Abraham? Come out of your, come out of your land. Leave. Leave your countrymen. Leave them all. Come to a place I'm taking you. Okay, yeah. All right, Dad, come on with me. Lot, yeah, you can come too. Wait a second. I didn't tell you to bring them. Covenant's over. No. Okay, all right. All right. You're in covenant with me? They're in covenant with me? With you? Well, they're in covenant with me too. Okay, so now, as we're marching on, right? He finds himself in Egypt because there's a drought. So he lies. Now we know lying is never good. 
even before one of the ten, I don't know which one it is, let's just say it's between three and six, somewhere in there, thou shalt not lie, right? But he lies, but because of the covenant that God made with him, right? I'm going to protect you, I'm going to bless those who bless you, I'm going to curse those who curse you, I'm going to make you great, I'm going to make your name great. So, so instead of trusting that, right? Right? Instead of being this good relationship where, okay, I'm going to trust you, he lies. Evidently, there's no trust there. And so what happens? Because of the covenant, God says to Abimelech, God says to, to Pharaoh, hey, don't you touch that man. Don't you touch that man. Why? He's in covenant with me. Well, I didn't know he, he lied to me. That's why I'm protecting you, because I know he lied. Amen. But don't you touch that man. Imagine that guy saying, I know, I know I, but don't you touch that man. And they sent Abraham out. What? Listen, man, you know what? You, you brought so much harm on my people. Well, I was, uh, you know, listen, you, you go. And, and in the meantime, while you're going, you know, here, here's some sheep and here's some goats and, and here's some cows and whatever, right? Here's some silver. Here's some gold. Happened more than once. God didn't break the covenant, right? It happened again. I'm going to make your name great. Great nation. You know, we're going to look at that in a second. But, but anyway, right? It's not happening. I don't trust. What's going on? Hagar, whatever. That doesn't nullify the covenant. That didn't nullify the covenant. God had to work a little bit harder on it. <laughs> you know? Still in covenant. You lied, you lied, you, you took when you weren't supposed to take, you know. You know, now you're in a position where, hey, here's a green pastures that were meant for you. Now you're going to take this dirt, you know. But because you're recovering with me, every time you put your, your shovel to the dirt, springs of wells of water are going to come up. And you look at this. Now, you get to Isaac. Let's just fast forward to Isaac. Here's a man, come on, you, you don't trust God enough to tell Pharaoh or Abimelech or let those people know that Sarah's your wife? You don't trust God enough? But you trust God enough that after he's told you he's going to make a great nation from you, from your seed, and Isaac is going to be the one, all of a sudden you trust God enough to put him on the altar and sacrifice him? The Bible in Hebrew says he believed, he believed so much in God then, right? He didn't believe that God could protect him from Abimelech. He didn't believe that God could protect him from, from Pharaoh. But now I believe God will bring those ashes back. What changed him? Grace. Goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. That word is metanoia. A changing of direction. Amen. And grace will always get you there faster than law. 1,400 years. 1,000 years. 1,000 years. Didn't have to take that long, but it did. Covenant of grace. And that's the covenant that God wanted us, well, not us, he wanted the nation of Israel to remain in. All right? But I want you to know the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 
through 13, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by how much more also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for a new one. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Well, I will make a new covenant. Well, I will make a new covenant. So this covenant, this better covenant, is supposed to be better. Better. Faultless. Flawless. All right, so now look at Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of your country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. Right? I hope you're looking at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord has said to Abraham, Get yourself out of the country, and from your kindred, from your family. That means your father, that means your nephew, whatever. And from your father's house, right? And unto the land which I will show you. Okay, are you there now? And it says right after that, and if you obey me and follow me and listen to me and follow my instructions, then, does it say that? No. 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 I will make you a great nation. Wow. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be so great. You will be such of a nation. I will bless you so much that you will be a blessing. Everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, I will bless thee. I will bless them that bless thee. Well, God, he even went as far as, as, as well, no, he didn't bless I guess you could say he blessed Pharaoh and Abimelech because he let them live. But anyway. And number six, I will curse them that curse you. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. Again saying, fear not, Abraham. As long as you obey me, as long as you listen to my instructions, I will be your shield and your exceedingly great reward. It doesn't say that. It simply says, I will be your shield and your exceedingly great reward. That happens to be surrounded by the verses where Abraham went to rescue Lot as they were taken prisoner with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he went... He had a trained army at that time. That's how, that's how blessed he was. They were skilled. They went. They got Lot back. They got back the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and the kings of Sodom, they wanted to, to, to bless Abraham, right, with goods. And what did Abraham say? Nope. Don't want it. You keep them. My blessings come from the Lord. You know why he, you know why he did that? You know why he didn't accept it from Sodom and Gomorrah? Because if he would have accepted a gift from Sodom and Gomorrah, that would mean he would be entering into a covenant with Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And he at least knew better than to do that at that time because of what was happening with his relationship with God. Now we go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 8 through 12, and 17 through 18. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer. I don't know what a heifer is. What's a heifer? Cow. Cow. Oh, I've heard some men refer to as women. Oh, that's not nice. That's bad. If, if you got the name woman after animals, I'd say a graceful gazelle. Right? And me? What me? Lion? That's it. All right. But no heifer. But anyway, where did it go here? Oh, take a heifer, three-year-olds, and a she-goat of three years of age, and a ram of three years of age. Why three? I don't know. I have to look at that later on. And a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the mist and laid each piece one against another. So basically what that means is as they split the heifer and as they split the ram and as they split the goat, they, they, he separated it and put one half on one side and one half on the other. Right? You picture that? So there was a space in the middle. There was space in the middle. Uh, but the birds he divided not. I guess that would be a little bit messy to, to, to divide a little bird, whatever. So he kept them whole. So that means he must have kept one bird on one side and one bird on the other. Okay. And he said, and then the fowls were coming down because they smelled the blood and and uh, and they tried to you know eat away at the car- carcasses, but but Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was coming down, this is this is a pivotal scripture right here. It says a deep Sleep fell upon Abraham. What? A deep sleep. He went to sleep. He went to rest. He was just laying down. Okay? And it came to pass that when that happened, it, when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces. And you know what that means? You know who that was? Who was it? God. God came and he passed between both sides of the torn sacrifices that were made. Now, in a covenant, this is why this is powerful. Grant covenant. Grace covenant which is much better than this covenant. He put Abraham to sleep. He put Abraham to rest. And he walked through. He walked through. What's the significance of that? Well, if it was an obligatory covenant between two people, they both would have walked through. Abraham would have walked through and God would have walked through. But that's not what happened. Only one walked through. It's all on me. It's all on me. It's all on me. Do you see how beautiful that was? How beautiful that is? And that's the grant covenant. That's the covenant 
that when he came to the nation of Israel, he wanted to, them to remain under. But they did not want to. So that's why this next covenant came. We're going to talk about that next week. But here's the, beautif- the beauty of this grand covenant, this covenant that God made with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, right? You always have to ask yourself this question. If our covenant is better But Abraham's covenant, he had nothing to do with. He was put to sleep and he was put at rest. Why do people make our covenant of the place where we have obligations? You see, this new covenant of grace, and we're going to talk about this later. There was a sacrifice that was made. And then there was two parties that ratified that covenant. Do you know who the two were? It wasn't us and God. It was Jesus and the Father. That makes this covenant faultless and flawless and better than the first one. That's better than the first one. Faultless and flawless. Now, if if we are not put to rest like Abraham was put to rest and we have an obligatory part, then it's not faultless and flawless because it still has the same flaw that the covenant had that it replaced. Me. I would have to keep it. No, it's between the Father and the Son. Better covenant, better covenant, better covenant, better covenant. So we have to keep telling ourselves, all right? Topical preaching. I'm almost done. I got a minute left. Read Galatians chapter 5. I can't go there because I promised you. I made a promise. But you guys started me three minutes late, so I got three more minutes. In Galatians, you'll read a portion of Scripture that says, uh, going back to that topical preaching about sin, oh, and a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And they'll say, Sid, you can't sin a little bit because if you sin a little bit, boom. Read chapter 5. It's about grace and law. Read the whole chapter. Keep it in its context. Stand therefore in the liberty where which Christ has set you free. And no longer let yourself become entangled to a yoke of bondage. You know? He just got done telling him, why are you reverting back to circumcision? For, why are you reverting back to seasons and moons and suns and stars and this and that and the other thing? And then Paul warns us. This is why I'm so adamant. Guys, a little leaven, law and legalism, will leaven the whole lump. Stay in grace. Stay in grace. Thank you, Father. It's all about you. It's all about Jesus. This is a perfect covenant. It's a better covenant. I look at how you blessed Abraham. I know how I look at how you took care of Abraham. And I'm in a better covenant with better promises. Stay there. Live there. Dwell there. Every time you look at the Bible, see Jesus. Every time you look at Jesus, see yourself. Amen? Amen. Amen.